the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking forward at 12.05 today to give you an option for your entertainment this weekend. Robert Cooperman, Stage Right Theatrics, Dublin. I'm a big supporter of Robert and what he calls the natural theater. What is the natural theater? Oh, don't worry. It's not some avant-garde weirdo thing. It's a theater that believes that themes of its plays should demonstrate the goodness of America's founding. So there will be no plays there where victimhood will be glorified. You can take your kids, you can take your family, you can take yourself, you can take your friends, and be sure that the themes of the plays will resonate with what's great about America. And so we'll have Robert on to talk about that and his motivation for doing what he does, providing that service to our community and to more than our community because you can watch the plays virtually. You can tune in watch them on a live stream. So Robert Cooperman at 12.05. Now, uh, they were searching the FBI this morning. They were searching Joe Biden's Rehoboth Beach, Delaware home for classified documents. And this made me think of someone who once described Twitter as 140 characters of rope. Twitter now allows 280 characters in each post. But back then, you could only post something that was 140 characters long. And this person, in terming it 140 characters of rope, was commenting on the fact that a lot of times people hung themselves with the 140 characters of rope that Twitter gave them to expose their opinions or their acts that got them in trouble, cost them jobs, brought upheaval into their lives, on and on and on and on and on. Uh, Joe Biden's on Twitter, and he has not hung himself on Twitter, but he has put himself in a precarious position with his own words because he delighted in demonizing Donald Trump for having classified documents where classified documents should not be. Let's go back to Joe Biden's interview with Scott Pelley on 60 Minutes. When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, what did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. Mm. How anyone could be that irresponsible. How anyone could be that irresponsible. Having classified documents from their time as president in a place where they should not be. Well, now we know Joe Biden has classified documents from his time as vice president and from his time in the Senate. So mm, that pulls the rope a little tighter. And then Joe Biden said a while back that. There's no there there about his classified documents. There's no big deal. Not a big deal. Well, it must be somewhat of a big deal because since he said that, the FBI has gone in and has searched places where Joe Biden's attorneys had been the only ones previously searching for classified documents. And they've been finding, oh, and, and here is Joe Biden talking about what they would find when they searched. I think you're going to find 
There's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following mm. what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. No regrets. The man has no regrets about having classified documents. Well, uh, that is something that may come back to bite him because you just can't claim that this is not a big deal, that there's no there there, that people who have classified documents where they shouldn't be are being careless and irresponsible. Um, This will prove, I believe, strongly to be that Joe Biden has established a standard by which he now wishes to be judged by, to be held to a much softer standard. Had he come out in the beginning with the Trump thing and said, look, you know, the truth is in Washington, D.C., we overclassify documents. That's what they're trying to plead now. Ah, oh, classified documents. Everything's classified. The menu at, at Bob Evans is classified. You know, I mean, and then there's classified document spillage all over the place. You can't, you just might, you're more apt to slip on a classified document than you are a banana peel around the White House. So uh, this will not fly because we still, enough of us in this country, hold people to their own words. And uh, this is a point that is going to be made, if it has not been made, uh, by those who are taking note of it. Bill McGurn, for instance, from the Wall Street Journal. To go back to the beginning, the whole reason this is a mess is because Biden made it one. The president um, went and denounced uh, former President Trump for carelessness and so forth and made a huge issue of it. And if he hadn't done that, we wouldn't have special prosecutors and we wouldn't be covering this story. It would be a minor story. Um, He brought it on himself and then he said he had no regrets. So uh, I think there are a lot of questions. I think Jonathan Turley makes a good point. At this point, we really should look at the documents um, at the University of Delaware. You know, you can't presume that there's no classified information in. So uh, I think it's going to continue to go on. And it's, uh, you know, if the president is mad, he should look in the mirror. Hmm. Now, yes, there are a trove of documents at the University of Delaware. Two semi-tractor trailers full of documents at Delaware that nobody's looked at because they've been locked up. And Delaware, the University of Delaware won't allow anybody to see them. I don't know how much longer that's going to fly. Now, Bill McGurn also made the point that Joe Biden's not the only guy who is probably now wishing that he wasn't held to the same standard that he created. The Attorney General of the United States also in that boat. The primary person at the center of this is Merrick Garland, who knew um, months ago that there was a problem. He knew it when he appointed a special counsel for Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago papers. And um, and yet he allowed, like, all these things, the, the private lawyers to look over the information. So... Um, I think it's a huge problem. Again, I don't think we'd be paying this much attention to it if they hadn't appointed a special counsel. It made it impossible not to appoint one for this case. And God knows where it ends, um, because nothing the Biden people have done have ended the story. All they do is prolong it. Hmm. Yes, it is. uh, What do they call it? Serendipity. 
when that comes back to bite you, what goes around comes around. Now, I have said before that the reason why Joe Biden had these attorneys, his own personal attorneys and the White House attorneys, do all the searching in advance of the FBI doing the search is because whatever the attorneys find is then subjected to attorney-client privilege. But I was heartened to hear this morning from Andy McCarthy of National Review that I was wrong about that in one regard. If I'm a prosecutor looking at this, those lawyers are witnesses. And if a lawyer is doing something like packing up a residence or locating documents, you don't have attorney-client privilege to decline to answer questions about that. Moreover, the White House counsel who has been involved in this, Mr. Uh, Sober, um, who's also gotten himself entangled in the chain of these documents, there's case law that goes back to the uh, to the Clinton scandal in the 90s uh, in the Lindsay case, which goes to the point that the White House counsel doesn't have an, an ability to assert executive privilege to avoid testifying about these sorts of things, at least in a criminal oh, forgotten about that. investigation. Yeah. So I think they'll have plenty of witnesses. Mm, plenty of witnesses. Oh, bring the witnesses, please. Please bring the witnesses. I would love to see that. Uh, now, the House Oversight Committee has said, we'd like to know what's in those documents. Please tell us what's in those documents. And the Biden Justice Department so far said, no, we're not going to tell you what's in those documents, which you know leads to me to believe there's something really serious in those documents. Here's Jonathan Turley, law professor, on whether or not the detail in the documents should be secret. There's no reason why they cannot share the level of classification and the subjects of these documents. Uh, as you recall, we learned that information fairly quickly in the Mar-a-Lago raid. Uh, and the court in that case chastised the government to some degree saying, uh, you can share a lot more information uh, and these claims of national security risks are really overblown. Hmm. Okay, well... There is some stonewalling going on, for sure. Uh, the president, by the way, is uh, called a lid today, which means he took the day off at 9.30 in the morning. About the time the FBI showed up. The vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, uh, will attend the funeral of Tyree Nichols in Memphis today. Uh, of course, because the White House never wants to miss an opportunity to virtue signal. If I'm the family of Tyree Nichols, I mean, maybe they're huge Biden supporters and they wouldn't this complicate the funeral? Having like three people from the White House coming, they're having Kamala Harris come, Keisha Lance Bottoms, the former mayor of Atlanta. She's now got some hoity-toity title at the White House Office of Public Engagement and senior advisor to the president, Mitch Landrew. Like, I want people at the funeral of my family member who was murdered like Tyree Nichols was murdered. I want people to be able to come and get to me, and I don't want a bazillion FB, you know, Secret Service people around. I'd tell her not to come. Uh, but anyway, whatever. She can come. I mean, it's fine. If, if it provides comfort for the family, so much better. This poor family uh, have su- has suffered in an unspeakable way. I was talking with a couple Columbus police officers yesterday about this and their impressions of watching it. And because I've said before, nobody is more opposed to bad police officers than good police officers. I always hated it when I was in a press conference. Somebody would ask a really stupid question of a coach. It reflected on me and my profession. 
You know, lawyers don't want dishonest lawyers to get away with being dishonest lawyers. Doctors don't want doctors committing malpractice. The people in the profession are the ones who are denigrated the most by other people in their profession doing the job poorly, or in this case, an egregious violation of the law. So I was talking to these police officers yesterday, and I'm just like, what does this look like to you? And they said, well, number one, the whole existence of this unit of the Memphis police, and I'm told Columbus police had or may still have a unit similar to it where you, and and I get the theory behind it. You have a high crime area, and so you have a like a rapid response unit. I think they called it Scorpion in Memphis. And here I've heard it's called, maybe it's just a colloquial name they give it in-house, the Jump Out Boys. But in theory, okay, we got a situation that's breaking out. This part of town is becoming violent. There's a lot of robberies here. Let's throw a bunch of officers into that area. But they're oftentimes in unmarked vehicles. Now, these cops were dressed like cops, but they're in unmarked vehicles. And what? A lot of this stuff happens at night. This incident happened at at night. They get out. Police uniforms, in this case, were dark uniforms. And so, you know, you got unmarked cars rolling up. It can lead to a misunderstanding of the people you're trying to police and the people you're trying to keep safe, thinking, holy cow, what is this? Like, now we got big-time trouble. All these cars are coming. So I get the design behind it, and it may have a purpose. I'm just saying that needs to be looked at. They disbanded it in Memphis, which might be the right decision, might be the wrong decision. I don't know. The other officer that I spoke to said that he will. he's not saying this what happened, but he is saying he will not be surprised if he finds out that this Tyree Nichols had some kind of a previous interaction, uh, beef, with one of the officers involved. He said it looked like this was more than just a mob mentality in the moment. But that one of the and that does not mean that Tyree Nichols did anything wrong. But that one of the officers might have had an issue with Tyree Nichols. You know, it's, it's possible. It's a theory. It's nothing more than a theory. But these guys are going to go on trial for murder, and we're going to get details on if there were any previous interactions between them and any of these officers. And, you know, this was a failure all the way through the system. It's the failure of the police officers who engaged in horrific crimes to murder this this man. It's a failure of the medical personnel who showed up and did not act, and they've been censured for it and charged for it as well. So, um, but the you know, vice president going to the funeral. Okay, but here's one of the things I find curious. This is something that the one of the officers pointed out to me yesterday. He said, do you remember what the narrative was back during the height of Black Lives Matter or even predating Black Lives Matter, going back to Michael Brown, going back to Trayvon Martin? It was that black people, black, the reason why we needed to increase minority hiring in police departments around the country, and there's been a big push to do that. There's a big push to do it here in Columbus. Is because if you get minority officers, minority officers are incapable of being racist. That black people cannot be racist toward white people. That black people are incapable of being racist. And he said, now are you catching the narrative? 
And I'm like, yeah. The narrative now is, even though they're black officers, they're products of a white supremacist system that makes them racist. So he's like, the the whole reason why we're integrating our police departments and trying to get our, how many times have you heard? we got to get our police department to look like the people they're policing. He said, now it's confounding that narrative that we have police officers who were hired and it's already been reported and it will be, I'm sure, proven that these officers did not qualify to be officers in Memphis by the standards that were in place before George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis. They, they would not have qualified to be officers before. And one of the officers I talked to yesterday said two of these guys came from the corrections realm in Memphis and that they had on their record before violence as corrections officers. And he said, if you have an officer in a corrections environment and they have been violent toward prisoners, he said that is a huge or was a huge red flag to hiring them as Columbus police officers. Couldn't speak for Memphis, but he said, if you have that on your record in Ohio, that you've been a corrections officer, and you have violent interactions with prisoners, because, you know, you have leeway in a prison more so than you do on the street. Do prison guards wear body cams? Not like the push toward officers in various police departments around the state do right now. And if you've done that in a corrections environment and you've been found to have done it and you've been censured for it, that seed is in you, that you have that predisposition to do that, to view the people that you are, quote unquote, in authority over as someone that you can become perhaps too physical with. And boy, did we ever... I could not. Well, I asked him. I asked this one officer I talked to. I said, did you watch the video? He said, I started to watch it, and I just didn't want to see it. And I said, you know, that's me, too. I wanted to see it because I'm going to talk about it, and I want to be informed, so I have to watch it to be informed. I watched the first 10, 15, 20 seconds, and I'm like, okay, this is going to get worse, and I don't want to see this. This is a man losing his life on the streets who, for no reason at all, was beaten like he was beaten. So, um, but I thought those conversations with officers were interesting yesterday, and I wanted to give you a spirit of it. Because, as I say, no one is more sickened, sickened by what happened to Tyree Nichols and people who put their lives on the line every single day to go out there and protect the citizens. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.